So quick question. How many of you have been keeping up with the war in Ukraine? Oh, we got a few, a few hands. Okay. What about the constant unrest and the wars that's going on in Haiti? Anyone? We've got a few. Okay. Um, anyone up to speed on the recent news in Gabon in uh, Central Africa in the recent coup that just happened? Oh, we got one, two. Okay. But not many of us, right? Not many of us. And truth be told, unless we have family or friends in the areas that I just mentioned or have never traveled there, those wars, they don't, they don't really resonate with us. You know, it doesn't really impact us. Not to mention, since we are you know, from a distance, uh, geographically very far from these locations, we have the luxury of being removed somewhat from what's going on. But before we get too comfortable, may I remind you, fellow Christian, that you and I are presently in the midst of a war. And what makes this war so vicious is that it's invisible. And it rages every day, whether you are in the mood to fight or not. And you know what else? Newsflash. These opponents, they don't fight fair. There's no United Nations peacekeeping committees trying to broker any deals. No, no. These enemies want to simply destroy us. And having one enemy with that agenda would be, you know, more than enough for us to deal with. But we, we have three that we must face. They include the devil, the world, and our very own flesh. And the battlegrounds are not always the same. Sometimes they take place in our church. Sometimes the battle takes place in our homes, in our workplaces, schools. Sometimes even our very own hearts. So how do you defend yourself against such opponents, especially when it seems that they are able to easily infiltrate areas that we thought we were once protected? And it's almost as if someone had given them, you know, like as if they had some spy information about where our areas of weakness are. Well, praise God. You need not fear, loved ones. Because God's word, his authoritative word, has the answer. And so I want to invite you now to open up your copy of the living word of God to the book of 1 Corinthians. Where we'll be looking at chapter 16, by God's grace, verses 13 through 14, where we will observe our marching orders on how to live victoriously as Christians in this ever-present war. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And the scripture reads as follows, picking up at verse one. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so also, excuse me, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. When I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I attend, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries hmm. when timothy comes see that you put him at ease among you for he is doing the work of the lord as i am so let no one despise him help him on his way in peace that he may return to me for i am expecting him with the brothers now concerning our brother apollos i strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers but it was it was not at his at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all 
that you do be done in love. Mm. Praise God, loved ones. Praise God. And so I can't help but think about this verse. Uh, was one of our memory verses in our men's breakfast. Uh, how many of our men's breakfast uh, attendees are here? All right. So you're going to say it with me, right? You're going to say it with me. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Praise God. Praise God. Verse 14. Let all that you do be done in love. Awesome, loved ones. So in First Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 to 14, we will observe five imperatives that you must follow so that you can be victorious in the war as a Christian. Five imperatives. Imperative number one, you must be alert. You must be alert. Imperative number two, you must be firm. You must be firm. Imperative number three, you must be courageous. You must be courageous. Imperative number four, you must be strong. You must be strong. And lastly, you must be loving. You must be loving. All right. Praise God. So, loved ones, if you've been a believer for some time, I'm sure whenever you hear the pastor reference 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, certain things pop into your mind. And I understand. But we'll get to that later on. But you should know that from an economic standpoint, the city of Corinth was actually a great place to live. And actually, uh, commentaries point out that since the city of Corinth was located in the southern part of Greece, it was once considered a very popular trade route for most of Greece, North Africa, Italy and Asia Minor. It was also one of the major cities of the Roman Empire, along with Rome and Alexandria and Egypt. Because of its premier location, it naturally attracted sailors and merchants from around the world to this particular area. And so now when you hear sailors and merchants you're already kind of getting an idea of the type of uh, individuals that lived in that community. They were surely rough around the edges. All right. But nonetheless, Corinth was also popular for hosting the Isthmian Games, the athletic games. And this biannual event was typically held in the spring. And it featured events like chariot racing and boxing and wrestling. And the event was held in honor of the Greek god Poseidon. And who, according to Greek mythology, was considered the violent an ill-tempered god of the sea. And so as you know, with pagan cultures, you can't have just one god that you need to appease. Oh no, you need more. You need more. And so there were several other temples made to honor their gods, but one that stood out most uh, amongst the other temples was the temple of uh, dedicated to Aphrodite. Yes, the Greek goddess of love and fertility and beauty. And one commentator points out that the temple of Aphrodite was the center of many varieties of religious prostitution. So Corinth was well known for her vile and immoral lifestyle, so much so that the philosopher Plato used the term Corinthian girl to refer to a prostitute. Yet in spite of this depraved culture that was so pervasive in Corinth, by God's grace and providence, Paul planted a church there. Why? Well, because this was a man, loved ones, that was determined to get the gospel out as far as he could because he was confident that the gospel was the power of God unto salvation. Amen? Amen. Not to mention, Paul was no fool. He knew from a strategic standpoint that city of Corinth being a popular trade route, he knew that if he can get the gospel on that city, it would spread like fire throughout the world. And so Paul was determined to preach the gospel there in the hopes that it would reach far beyond Corinth. And so with the help of a Jewish couple, Aquila and Priscilla, who he met during his second missionary journey there, Paul planted the church since they were already other Jews in the area and it contained a synagogue. Now, having only spent a total of 18 months in Corinth, as in typical Pauline fashion, he did not shrink from preaching the whole counsel of God while he was there. And it caused quite a stir. It caused quite a stir. Everywhere where Paul preached, it caused some problems. And if you want to read that more, I would encourage you to read Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 22 for more information. So now, keep in mind that this Corinthian church 
they may not have been the type of church where you want to take membership classes, right? We only need to look to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11 to be reminded of the glimpse of the types of sins that was commonplace in the city of Corinth and even for what some in that particular church may have struggled with. Hear the word of the Lord. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to this. Verse 11. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Praise God, loved ones. Praise God that even the most vile of sins can be washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. We sang it earlier and we can rejoice in that because it washed away our sins. Praise God. But yet there were some who unfortunately were not yet washed and they were struggling and they were amongst this Corinthian church and Paul had to rebuke them for tolerating even vile sins as incest in the body of Christ. That wasn't the only thing that Paul had to rebuke them for. He had to rebuke them for their tendency to be divisive amongst one another because they had their favorite preachers, you know. They had marriage issues. They were suing one another for all sorts of discrepancies. They were selfish, self-centered, even in the use of their spiritual gifts. And they had pure chaos in the midst of their services when their women would be constantly trying to take over the church. This did not seem like friendly territory, but that didn't stop the Apostle Paul. Praise God. And so he writes this letter to this church because he loves them and he wants to correct them so that they would be the people of God that they were called to be. Now, with that in mind, we can get into our text. Once again, hmm, be on the alert, be on the alert. And so we've reached our first point. You and I, loved ones, we must be on the alert. And the word that Paul uses here in Greek, it actually means to be in constant readiness. The ESV translation, you heard me read it earlier. It means it's rendered be watchful. And the NIV has it be on guard. But you're getting the flavor that this is military talk. OK, and it's in the present tense and the active voice in the imperative mood, which means you and I are constantly to be on the alert. OK, there's no going home and taking off our helmet of salvation and laying it aside and saying, Oof, glad that fight's over. Let me enjoy some TV now. No, sir. No, sir. You better keep that helmet on. You better keep your breastplate on. You better keep the whole armor of God on. You hear me, loved ones? Because we are constantly to be on the alert. And this is not a suggestion that Paul is making here. This is a command. And it's similar to the command that our Lord gave in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, concerning the perilous times and his imminent return. Here, the Lord Jesus says, therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Amen. And this command to be alert has some it has some eschatology kind of flavor to it because Paul often referenced uh, the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout this letter in 1 Corinthians. He mentions it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, and, and again later on in chapter 5, verse 5. So the point, loved ones, is that whether we are to be on the alert for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ or to be on the alert for the enemies of our faith, the point is that we need to be always on the ready, always on the alert, Christian. Paul utilizes that same word again in Acts chapter 20, verse 31, in his last words to the Ephesian elders. He says, therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Mm. And we see this same word being used by the apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Here, the apostle says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, 
prowls around like a, a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Mm. Loved ones, this is not a game. This is not a playground. If you are in the Lord's army, you have a target on your back. You heard Paul mention it earlier. I read it in verse nine. He says, <clears throat> excuse me, for a wide door for effective service has been opened to me and there are many adversaries. Whenever you're trying to do something for the Lord, I don't know about you, but in your prayer time, you try to focus, you get out the copy of your scriptures, put on some worship music, and you're trying to pray. And all of a sudden, a thought you haven't thought maybe in quite some time, that's what should come up in your mind and totally derail you. Hmm? I'm, oh, I'm the only one. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I thought I was amongst the saints this morning, huh? Come on, give me an amen or something. I mean, it's like, I, you know, where did that come from? You know, or maybe you're driving and you're trying to remember all those saints you want to intercede for. Right. And all of a sudden somebody pulls up before right beside you and they're playing some music that you you've been redeemed from for quite some time. Right. And all of a sudden your head starts bobbing and you're like, oh, man. Oh, I remember that song. Repent, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, all jokes aside, loved ones, we're laughing because we know it's true. We know it's true. Try sharing the gospel with someone at work. Right. During your lunch break. Now, all of a sudden, oh, now all of a sudden your phone starts ringing or maybe their phone starts ringing. Come on. It's not by coincidence. There are many adversaries. And they don't want the truth being spread. And so they want to silence us. Because once the truth has been silenced, guess what? The lies grow bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. And that's why we cannot be silent. We cannot be silent. There are too many, too many unsuspecting Christians who are being ravaged and devoured by the enemy. We don't need to be biting and devouring one another. You heard the exhortation in Galatians chapter five earlier. We don't want to join in on biting and devouring one another. No, no loved ones. We have enough, we have enough adversaries that are looking to devour us. You hear what I'm saying? We don't want to be foolish like Samson. Samson put a lot of confidence in his own strength. And remember, he said, I will go out as all other times and shake myself free. Didn't even know that the Lord had departed from him. Poke your eyes out, Samson, because you were looking at the wrong one for your source of strength. Let that not be our story. Let that not be our testimony. We need to fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and remember that we are in a battle. We are in a war and we don't want to be devoured. No, loved ones. I remember as I, uh, as I mentioned, our Friday morning, we used to meet for breakfast uh, with Pastor Leek and a bunch of brothers. And um, he would warn us. Uh, he, he, he shared with us uh, Pastor, Pastor Montoya from the Master's Seminary had given him and all the other seminary students a warning. This was a warning to them as they entered into pastoral ministry. He said, you got to watch out for the three G's. I can hear Pastor Montoya and I can hear Pastor Leek. All their voices are kind of in my head right now. But he would say, you got to watch out for the three G's, the gold, the glory, and the girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That was a warning. And you know what? Unfortunately, some pastors didn't get that memo. Because they were taken out, devoured. Mm. And you know what? It's so sad. It, it's so sad that there's nothing new under the sun, loved ones. This is the same three punch combo that the enemy did on our first parents in the garden. Like nothing has changed. It's the same, same combo. Lust of the flesh, 
the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I mean, come on. If a boxer knew that his opponent only had three punches, I think he'd be pretty, pretty prepared for that fight. He's like, all right, I know he's going to swing with the left. He's going to swing. He's going to do this. And all I got to do is duck, right? We have how the enemy fights right here in his word. We have it. So why do we go out thinking that we can take him, that we can take on the world, that we can take on our flesh and our own strength? It's foolish. We have to be on the alert. We have to be on the alert, loved ones. Praise God. And so now here's the next military order that the Apostle Paul gives us. Right. We're not only to be on the alert, but point number two. We must be firm. We must be firm. Here, Paul continues in his command to the church. And the word that he uses in Greek means to be firmly committed in conviction or belief. And Paul would use that same word again later on in Philippians chapter one, verse 27. He says, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. <laughs> now, why do you think, loved ones, that the Apostle Paul would have to conf- I would have to command them to stand firm. It's the same reason why we need to be reminded to stand firm, because we can be so easily blown, tossed to and fro with the doctrines of this world, right? It was only three years ago. All it took was a pandemic. All it took was some critical race theories. All it took was some politics. Man, that wolf came right by. He started blowing houses down. He started blowing them down. Mm-mm-mm. Did some serious damage. And it's because, loved ones, we're not spending quality time in the word of God. I remember my days of being a former special agent and having to study counterfeit i'll never forget that it was it was instructed and drilled into our head you have to study the real thing so that you can see the fake one a mile away but we're out and we're listening to the fake things we're listening to the world you heard pastor gabe praying praying about that very same thing we're bombarded with images we're bombarded with the philosophies we're bombarded with the lies of the world day in and day out. And then Sunday, we think we're going to come in here and be all holy, sanctified, signed, sealed, and delivered. Come on. Come on. We got to be spending time in this word. Mm. By his grace, by his grace. Loved ones, we cannot be swayed by the culture. We cannot be swayed by the teachings of whatever your popular uh, news station is. No, no, no. Stand firm on the word of God. Stand firm on the word of God. And if it wasn't for the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, telling us that his church is built upon the rock, the rock, not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. And praise God for that assurance. Because if it wasn't for that, I would get nervous. I would be anxious. But my hope is in the word of God. And my hope is in Jesus Christ. And I'm sure and I hope that your hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ as well. And in his authoritative and infallible word. Because he will have the last word. Amen? Amen. Or whatever the flower is, it will fade. Whatever the grass, it will wither. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Praise God. And we have to anchor ourselves with these truths. We have to anchor ourselves with these truths. We cannot afford to be another casualty. Christians that are not paying attention, they're not on the alert. They're not standing firm. They're being taken out. But loved ones, we got work to do. And so we have to make sure that we're paying attention to our chief and commander. 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Right now I'm in the battle with some time, so I need to uh, get back to this text. Okay. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> and so now we've reached our third, our third point. And here the Apostle Paul says, be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. All right. Or another translation, you must be courageous. Right. So, loved ones, this is our instructions. We must be courageous. And the Greek word that Paul uses is translated to conduct yourself or to conduct oneself in a courageous way. And some translations like the NIV have that same usage. And the NSB and the ESV have rendered it act like men. All right. And this Greek word is not seen anywhere else in the New Testament. And the closest use that we have is actually in the Septuagint, which is the early Greek translation of the Old Testament from the original Hebrew. And this is found in Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. And hear the word of the Lord. Mm. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all, to do all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. And let's just finish it off with verse eight. Come on. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. And so, loved ones, we must meditate on the word of God. That's the only way that we're going to be strong. It's the only way that we're going to be courageous. Excuse me, courageous. And we need that because our culture is taking some, some vicious attacks against genders, right? Right? Toxic masculinity, mansplaining, all these other new cultural terms. I don't even know how they come up with this stuff, man. You know? But all of this is indications of our world that is under the prince of the power of the air that wants to destroy everything that the Lord has made. Wants to destroy even something as simple as a boy and a girl, male and a female. God created them. And the enemy hates that. And so that's why he's attacking it. And don't be confused, right? The Apostle Paul is not telling women to be like men. And he's telling you to be courageous, right? To be mature, not in your own strength, to be mature in your faith, in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, men, we must lead by example in being courageous ourselves, but not by beating our chest and going out thinking that we can conquer the world in our own strength. No, 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 no. <laughs> we have to be courageous in the word of the Lord our God and in the strength of his might. And we're actually going to get to that in point number four. We've reached our fourth imperative by God's grace. Point number four, you must be strong. You and I must be strong. Oh, loved ones, this word in Greek, you got to love it because Paul is going to use it quite often. And he uses it in Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. Here the Lord says to us, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, his might. All right. This is not a, a pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. No, no, no. That won't last. That won't last. We have to let this strength be done to us, which is why this is actually in the passive voice. But it's still an imperative mood. Right. We have to be strong in the Lord, not in the strength of ourselves, not in the strength of others. Right. Psalm 118, 8, the Lord says, it is better to put your trust in the Lord than put your confidence in man. It is better to put your trust in the Lord than put your confidence in princes. Loved ones, we don't put our strength in the government. We don't put our strength in whatever the laws may be because these things are subject to change. We serve an unchangeable God. We serve the rock and praise God that he is not moved by any of the foolishness that's happening in our culture. He is outside of time and space. 
And if you want to stand firm on something, you better be standing firm on the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. You better be strong in him because the Lord allows you to see your weakness with trials, to see that you cannot put any confidence in your own strength. You cannot put even your confidence in other people. People, we're fickle, right? We change like the weather sometimes. We all like sheep, we go astray, each into our own way, thinking that we know better. But praise God that we have the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. And he comes and he gets his staff and he comes and puts it right around our neck and says, "Uh uh-uh, come back here. You don't need that. You don't need that. He's protecting us from danger seen and unforeseen because we foolishly think, oh, no, no, Lord, I got this. No, you don't. No, you don't. And I don't. We need the strength of the Lord. We need his might. That's the only way that the church will not be silent, even though everyone wants to silence us. You hear me? And so, loved ones, we have to let that be done to us. Let the Holy Spirit have his way in you. Right? I know oftentimes, sometimes you're, you know, I, I, I just quickly share. Sometimes, you know, I'm at, I'm at a gas station and, you know, I know I'm going to be there for at least, you know, five, ten minutes. And I'll see someone pull up beside me. And the thought comes into my mind by God's grace. The power of the gospel. Share it. This is the gospel. Share it. Proclaim it. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And all of a sudden, fear of man creeps into my heart. Oh, I don't want them to think I'm a weirdo. I don't want them, you know, I'm a Jesus freak. You know, they're going to run away from me. They're going to close the door. Got to bring those thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Why am I here? Why are you here? The Lord could have easily just taken us home once he saved us, but he left us here for a reason. Go and be ambassadors for Christ. Stop being scared of the one that could hurt the body. Fear the one that could cast both body and soul into torment. And so I don't know about you, but as I encounter, you know, my flesh and it's getting louder than the voice of God. Oh, no, I got to silence that. I got to silence that. And the only way that I'm able to do that is by turning to the Lord at that very moment, crying out to him for strength, because I acknowledge, Lord, I am weak, but your strength is made perfect in my weakness. Grant me strength that I may go. Tell this person who's in darkness about the light because they need to hear it. And I believe, I believe in the power of the gospel. It's for the Jew and the Gentile. And praise God that somebody believed enough to go and share the good news with you. Because you wouldn't be in that seat right now. Right? But God in his grace used someone to go and warn you of the wrath that was to come. And you heard. And you turned. But it's because someone opened their mouth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Romans 10, 17. Just living a Christian life in this world, that's great, right? We don't, we don't want to be a stumbling block. We don't want to be living contrary to how the Lord called us to live and he called us to live holy. So we don't want to make any excuses for sin or for licentiousness. No, we have to live holy, but we must also open our mouths and speak the word of God. Because the gospel is not in chains, but that person that you're talking to, they are in chains. They're in the bondage of their own iniquity. And the only thing that can break that, that yoke, the only thing that can break that chain around their neck is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. So loved ones, as you're engaging in this world, remember that you are on a battleground and the enemy, he wants to whisper He wants to whisper his lies into your ear because he doesn't want you spreading the truth of the word of the God, of the Lord, our God, in whom we serve. But don't listen to him. You listen to the one who spoke. And his voice was powerful enough to speak the heavens and the earth into existence. 
He is the one who spoke the name of Lazarus. You remember Lazarus? Yes, he was in the tomb, right? And you remember Mary and Martha tried to warn the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, by now, his, he stinketh, right? In the King James Version, right? He stinketh. Jesus Christ had to remind him, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you that I am the resurrection and the life? Watch me work. Mm. When he said, remove that stone, Lord Jesus Christ said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus didn't have a choice. He had to respond to the voice of God. He had to respond. And praise God, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Lazarus, come forth. Because if he didn't, all everybody from the grave would have came up. It would have been the thriller before the thriller, right? Oh, man. But he spoke his name just as he spoke your name, just as he spoke my name. And praise God, we responded. Mm. And so, loved ones, remember that we need the strength of the Lord. We need the strength of the Lord. Ephesians 3.16, the Apostle Paul says, verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Praise God. I want to be strengthened by the power of God in my inner man. And I know you do too. And so in order for that to happen, we need to cling to him. We need to cling to his word. We need to be on the alert. We need to stand firm in the faith. And notice that is the faith. How could I forget that? Lord have mercy. Stand firm in the faith, not of faith, right? Everyone believes in something. When people get on an airplane, they believe the pilot is going to get them to their destination. When people get home and turn on their TV, they believe that when they hit the power button, the TV is going to turn on. That's faith, right? No, no, no. True faith. True faith is believing God because without it, it is impossible to please him. And so we need to be standing firm in the faith, loved ones. This is the true faith the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to be standing firm in the strength of his might, not our own. And lastly, Paul instructs us in verse 15, right? Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And now Paul, he unleashes these commands and it's almost like a Gatling gun. They're just coming out rapid fire. Boom, 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 right? And if, and if it was just that, we would be lopping off people's heads with the word of God, right? We can't do that. No, no, we can't do that. And the Lord knows that. And so this is why he gives us this instruction in verse 14. Point number five, you and I, loved ones, we must be loving. We must be loving. Verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. Mm. Pastor John MacArthur in his commentary on this verse states, the fifth principle for powerful living is the most comprehensive. And without it, the others could make us crusty, militant, and hard. Mm. See, some of us, because we're on the sound teaching, we know how to speak the truth, right? But we have to be careful. We have to be careful. It must be done in love. It must be done in love. And this Corinthian church, they needed to be reminded of what true love was. And that's why Paul, a few chapters earlier, he described to them what true love was, because they needed to know as we need to know. Chapter 13, the Apostle Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. 
It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Loved ones, that is true love. And may we love like that. But we need Christ's strength in order to love like that. And now, although this message is primarily for us as believers, I don't want to make the assumption that there are some here today that are not. And I just... I just want to lovingly plead with you that if you are not in Christ, you don't stand a fighting chance. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 reminds us, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. If you have yet to repent of your sins, and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those verses that I just read, that is still your identity. You are still a child of wrath. You are still under the prince of the power of the air. And I just want to exhort you. I want to plead with you that praise God. It doesn't end there. And it doesn't have to end there for you. Verse 4, this is the greatest contrast that we see in all of Scripture. It says, but God, but God. Stop hardening your heart. Stop putting off the most important thing that you could ever do for your soul. Young people, you're here today. And whether you realize it or not, don't let this gray and the beard fool you. I was once young too. <laughs> All right? And I remember when I was young and older people would come and talk to me about the Lord, I would say, ah, you know, you lived your life already. Let me live mine. I want to live it up. I want to have fun. I want to see all that the world has to offer me. Man, praise God. But God, that he didn't let me continue in that path of destruction. That he sent someone to speak his word of truth. And praise God. I'll never forget it. It was the first time in my life that I had nothing to say. And you know, that's hard for me. You know. But I was speechless. I was motionless. Because the word of God crushed my stony heart. And that's exactly what I needed. And I stopped fighting the very one who came to save me. And so I'm pleading with you today. I know the world looks more attractive. The grass looks greener on the other side. But it's not. It's not. Proverbs 14, 12 warns us. There's a way that seems right unto a man. But the end leads to death. The enemy, he wants you to think all the fun that you can have is out there. But you don't, really, you don't realize that he's got fine print. You'll have fun for a little bit. But then here comes destruction. Please, 
Stop resisting. Stop rebelling. Stop trying to box with God. You won't win. The Bible says now is the day of salvation. Not next week. Not next month. Not next year. As a matter of fact, Pastor Steve Lawson, he says tomorrow is the devil's word. That's what he wants you to think. Oh, tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll do this. Tomorrow I'll do that. Tomorrow I'll repent and trust in Christ. No, sir. You don't know what tomorrow holds. All those wars we talked about earlier. You think those nations knew it was coming? Think there was some sort of heads up email? Right? Just think right now in the country of Morocco. That devastating earthquake that came. There was no heads up notice. And there's nothing new under the sun. Remember in Luke chapter 13, when Pontius Pilate sent those into the temple and did the wicked act of killing all those people in the temple? You remember the Tower of Siloam and fell on those 18 people and everyone started talking. Uh-oh, Lord, did these things happen to them because they were more wicked? What did the Lord Jesus Christ say to you? What did he say to them? These things will happen to you likewise unless you repent. You too will perish. And so please, hear what I'm saying to you this day. Hear the voice of the shepherd. He is calling you. Don't resist him. Surrender. For you will know no greater joy. In the presence, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. That's only available to those who are in Christ. You can have no joy like the joy of salvation. And so repent and come unto Christ this day. Hmm. And so, fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, why do we, why do, why are we here? Why are we listening to these militant commands from the Apostle Paul to be on the alert? Stand firm in the faith. Hmm? To act like men and be strong. It's because of the gospel. It's because our chief and our commander, the Lord Jesus Christ, he already demonstrated this. And he demonstrated it completely. For he is the one that was victorious over sin and death. He was the one that was on the alert. He was the one that stood firm even when he was tempted by one of his very own, the Apostle Peter. When he told him of why he had come, that he was going to go to the cross. Remember, it was Peter, the rock, right? The rock. He said, oh, no, Lord, God forbid that you should do that. Praise God, Jesus Christ was on the alert. He said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. Loved ones, we need to be on the alert. Even those whom we love, sometimes they can think they have the best intentions. But if they're not careful, they could be trying to derail what God has intended for us to do. But praise God that Jesus Christ, his plans for our salvation was not derailed. He was on the alert. He stood firm. He was a man's man. He was courageous. Even when in the garden, sweating drops of blood, asking three times that the father would let that cup pass for him. Yet, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. And Jesus Christ was victorious. And praise God, he was loving because it was his love for the father that he submitted to his father's will by being obedient even to the point of death on a cross, the humiliating death on a cross. But it was love that even while he was buried in on that third day, the grave could not hold him back. He rose victoriously. And that's where our victory is, Lord. That's where our victory is, loved ones. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you have some loved ones 
in your family who yet do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, be on the alert. Keep praying. Don't stop praying. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. But most of all, keep telling them. Keep telling them of that story. That old, old story. Right? How he brought me to victory beneath his cleansing blood. Right? Keep telling them. Keep telling them. Don't give up. The enemy wants you to give up. He wants you to look at every situation with natural eyes, but we must look with supernatural eyes because we serve a supernatural God. And so whatever your battle may be, wherever your battleground may be, loved ones, don't give up. Continue to put on your armor. Continue to be on the alert. Continue to stand firm in the, in the faith. Continue to be courageous. But remember that everything that you do, let it be done in love. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and we praise you that you have not left us to our own device. You have not left us as orphans. Praise be unto you, Lord, that even though the Lord Jesus Christ said that I must go away, Lord, we bless your holy name that he did not leave us alone, but he gave us the helper. He gave us the comforter. He gave us the spirit of truth, your very Holy Spirit to indwell us. And thank you so much, Lord, that because your Holy Spirit indwells us, we are able to live worthy of the calling that you've placed in our lives. But Lord, help us, for we are weak. We do sometimes go astray. God, help us to remember your word. Help us to remember that we need to cling to your truth and your promises. And only then can we be victorious in this battle. And so, God, help us to not give up. Help us to not give up in our prayers. Help us to not give up in our proclamation of your gospel. Help us to remember that we are in a war. But one day, one day, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns or when you call us home, we will battle no more. And so until that time comes, Lord, help us to not grow weary in doing good. For in due time, we will reap the harvest. So help us, Lord, to fix our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. For he is the one who is only able to keep us in a perfect peace so long as our mind is stayed on him. And so whether we are in the battle in our, in our homes or in our marriages or raising our children, whatever the battle may be, Lord, help us to remember that we serve one who was already victorious over our enemy death. And so we can be more than conquerors so long as we are in Christ. And so, Lord, we ask for your strength this day. We ask for your strength this week. Help us to continue to sit at your feet and to hear your instructions so that we would be the people of God that you have called us to be and that we would win battles for your namesake and for your glory. And we ask this all by faith in the name that is only able to save. Jesus the Christ, our Lord and our God. Let all those who love the Lord say amen. 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 amen.